information. So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End, although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Dominique Dunn was an up-and-coming American actress born on November 23, 1959 in Santa Monica, California. Her mother, Ellen, was not only a ranching heiress, but also an actress and activist. Her father, Dominic, was a writer, producer, and actor. She was the youngest of three children and the only girl. She was the niece of married famous novelist John Gregory Dunn and Joan Didion. Her godparents were Maria Cooper Janice, daughters of actors Gary Cooper and Veronica Cooper, and producer Martin Manulis. Her parents would divorce in 1967. She attended Harvard Westlake School in Los Angeles, which is an independent co-educational university preparatory school. It enrolls students from the 7th through the 12th grades. She also attended Taft School in Waterton, Connecticut, and Fountain Valley School in Fountain, Colorado. Both schools were co-educational college preparatory schools that enrolled 9th through 12th grades. After graduation, she spent a year in Italy, learning Italian. She studied acting and appeared in various stage productions. In 1979, she appeared in her very first television movie, Diary of a Teenage Hitchhiker. And after that, she got several supporting roles in many episodes in 1980s sitcoms, also appearing in several other television films. In 1981, she is cast in her first feature film, Poltergeist. Perhaps you've heard of it? Poltergeist is an American supernatural horror film written by Steven Spielberg. Michael Grace and Mark Victor, based on Spielberg's screen story and directed by Toby Hooper. Spielberg was directing E.T., the extraterrestrial at the time, and due to a contract flaw, could not direct both movies at the same time. I personally consider it to be a great movie. It is set in a suburban-like neighborhood in California. Dominique would get the role of the older sister, Dana. The family is terrorized by malevolent ghosts that abduct her younger sister, played by Heather O'Rourke. FYI, if you've never seen this movie, 
And no, I don't mean the remake. The malevolent ghosts are stuck there due to the family's home being on top of a cemetery. Not a previous cemetery where the bodies were relocated, but a current cemetery where the headstones were removed. What? The family then fights to bring her back to the real world. Great flick. Dominique would meet John Sweeney, a sous chef at Ma Maison, at a party in 1981. Only after a few weeks of dating, they decide to move in together. Their relationship goes south very fast. He is possessive and jealous. They fought often and Sweeney became physically abusive towards her. On August 27, 1982, after a volatile fight, Sweeney ripped a handful of hair out by her roots. She leaves going to her mother's house where Sweeney shows up and bangs on the door and windows, demanding to be let in. He leaves when Dominic's mother threatens to call the police on him. A few days later, Dominic returns to their home and they continue their relationship. September 26, 1982, during another argument, Sweeney grabs Dominique by the throat, throws her on the floor, and begins to strangle her. A friend who was staying with the couple that night heard the loud gagging noises and ran into her bedroom. Dominique tells the friend that Sweeney tried to kill her. This, of course, he denies. He tells her she needs to come back to bed. She agrees but escapes out the bathroom window instead. Sweeney hears Dominique start her car. As soon as he does, he goes running outside and jumps on the hood. She stopped the car, just long enough for him to jump off. She then goes back to her mother's house. She ends the relationship. He moves out. She changes the locks. On October 30th, 1982, a few weeks after the breakup, just over a month from their last fight, Dominique is at home rehearsing for her next television spot with a fellow actor, David Packer. While she is on the phone with a friend... Sweeney insists that the operator break into their conversation. Dominique tells the friend, Oh God, it's Sweeney. Let me get him off the phone. Ten minutes go by and Sweeney shows up at Dominique's home. After a short time speaking with him through a locked door, she agrees to speak to him on the porch, while Packer is still inside. Outside, Sweeney and Dominique begin to argue. Packer heard smacking sounds, two screams, and then a thud. He calls police only to be told Dominique's house location was out of their jurisdiction. He then called a friend to let them know that if he ended up dead, Sweeney was the killer. Packer leaves through the back door, approaches the driveway, and sees Sweeney in the bushes kneeling over Dominique. Sweeney tells Packer to call the police, which he had already done. Geez, wonder what would have happened if they had helped the first time. Police arrive after the second call. Sweeney awaits them with hands held high and states that only did he not try to kill his girlfriend, but he had tried to kill himself. Sweeney would tell the police that he remembered arguing with Dominique and he remembers being on top of her with his hands around her neck, but that he couldn't remember anything in between. Dominique was transported to a hospital placed on life support. In the following days, it would be determined that her brain no longer had activity due to oxygen deprivation. Her parents decide that removing the life support is best. Her heart and kidneys are donated. Her funeral is on November 6, 1982, and the eulogy delivered by her godfather, Martin Manulis. Super sad and creepy note. Dominique's final television appearance on Hill Street Blues 
would be on September 27, 1982, one day after Sweeney had physically assaulted her, leading to the end of their relationship. She had visible bruising on her face and body. Her final appearance would be that of a teenage mother that had suffered child abuse. How fitting due to the fact that she herself was suffering from abuse. For this episode, she did not need makeup for the visible bruising she already had. This makes me very sad. She had such a likable and relatable quality to her. That night, Sweeney attacks Dominique. Responding officers find Sweeney standing over Dominique's unconscious body in her driveway. He is arrested and charged with attempted murder. When she dies, his charge then becomes first-degree murder. Sweeney pleads not guilty. Later, he is charged with assault with intent to do great bodily harm. During a preliminary hearing, Sweeney admits to a physical altercation. The day before her final television spot, you know the spot on Hill Street Blues where she didn't need makeup for her real-life visible bruising? According to Sweeney, there was no assault. The bruising occurred when he tried to prevent her from running away from him and their home. Sweeney's trial began in August 1983. He takes the stand in his own defense. He says that he never intended to hurt Dominique, but in fact, they had reconciled. They had been busy planning their future. He then places the blame on her, stating that she was leading him on. Blah, 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 to that, I say. Once he thought he was being betrayed, he snapped. He never meant to hurt her, and what he remembers next is that he was on top of her with his hands around her neck. He sees that she is not breathing, and he tries to make her stand and walk around, but this doesn't work and she falls down to the ground. He tries CPR, she vomits, then he does as well. He runs into her home and proceeds to swallow, described by him as two bottles of pills, in an attempt to kill himself. What kind? Not mentioned. Obviously wasn't strong enough for stupid. His attorney would say that it was a heat of passion incident and not that a premeditation provoked by Dominic's alleged deception. Yeah, right. Blame the victim, because that always works. Dominique's family firmly denies that a reconciliation would be taking place. Her defense would state that Sweeney was the one hoping to reconcile and that Dominique was done. Sweeney's version of events would be dismissed. There was no physical evidence that Sweeney had taken pills of any kind. Police stated that he was quite calm and collected at the time of his arrest, and a statement by the first responding officer said Sweeney had confessed to choking her. He didn't think it was that hard, and yet he continued to do it, and that he just lost his temper. The medical examiner's report would state that she was strangled for at least three minutes. There goes your heat of passion claim, liar face. Enter the Conspiracy Corner. girlfriend would testify to more than 10 assaults inflicted by Sweeney. 
two of which would end up with a hospital stay. During her testimony, Sweeney loses it. He jumps from his seat and heads for the door leading to the judge's chamber. It took six people to subdue him. He is handcuffed to his chair and cries. Wouldn't that create at least a hint of bad behavior? He apologizes for his outburst. The judge strikes anything from the previous girlfriend's accusations from the record as inadmissible. And it was prejudicial. No one ever hears of the previous girlfriend's testimony until after the trial. No one else is allowed to speak of Sweeney's threatening behavior, nor to speak up for Dominique. Not by her mother or friends that knew her, since it was to be considered hearsay. Later, the judge would be harassed by media outlets expressing the injustice. The judge would then blame the jury for not convicting Sweeney of murder, disregarding the fact that he took that off the table. He made bad decisions, called on them, and of course blamed others for his failures. What else is there to do when you mess up? Blame others, right? Hmm. A lesser charge of second-degree murder or manslaughter is requested. Due to the lack of evidence of premeditation or deliberation, this request is allowed. Since the judge instructed the jurors to never hear of anything his previous girlfriend had said and denied all requests for her mother and her friends to offer some insight, let's just say it strongly crippled the defense against Sweeney. Okay, so Sweeney is acquitted of second-degree murder and instead convicted of voluntary manslaughter. He is also convicted of a misdemeanor for the assault on September 26, 1982. He received six years for manslaughter and six months for the assault. Obviously, Dominique's family is outraged, calling it injustice. The judge excuses the jury, claiming that justice had been served. Dominique's father would yell, not for our family. He then accuses the judge of purposely not allowing testimony that would prove Sweeney's habit of previous violent behavior towards women. Since the jurors didn't have all the information, it stands to reason why they came to the conviction they did. Dominique's father, Dominic, kept a journal during the trial and turned it into an article titled Justice, a father's account of the trial of his daughter's killer. The judge will later say mistakes were made and that Sweeney's conviction should have been murder and lengthier. Dominique's mother would become an advocate for homicide victims, a year after Dominique's death, she founded Justice for Homicide Victims, a victim rights group. Sweeney would serve three years, seven months, and 27 days of his six-and-a-half-year sentence at a minimum security prison. Three months after his release, he gets a head chef position at an upscale restaurant. Dominique's mother and brother stood outside the restaurant and handed out flyers to patrons. The flyer read, the food you will eat tonight was cooked by the hands that killed Dominique Dunn. Sweeney quit and moved from Los Angeles. Good riddance, I say. In the mid-1990s, Dominic would receive a call from a doctor whose daughter had recently become engaged to a John Sweeney. He was trying to figure out if it was the same John Sweeney who was responsible for the death of Dominic's daughter. Dominique's brother would soon call the bride and ask her to call off the wedding for her safety. Sweeney would accuse the Duns of harassment. Dominic hires a private detective to keep tabs on Sweeney. Sweeney changes his name and moves to the Pacific Northwest. 
Sweeney was last known to still be working as a chef, and Dominic no longer wants to waste his life keeping tabs on him. My hope is that no one has to live in fear ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. Thanks to wikipedia.org. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Rachel Valisnor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>